This is a day of celebration, isn't it? Yeah, even for the 930 service. Or I should say, especially for the 930 service, right? Yeah, so uh, thanks for that introduction, Tyler. Uh, as he mentioned, my name is Joe, and I am one of the pastors at Vineyard Covington. We like to say that that's on the bold side of the river. <laughs> like, that's literally something the city is, is saying, and so I'm embracing it. Um, yeah, we planted our church in March of 2020, which, yes, is exactly when COVID started. <laughs> Didn't plan it that way. Had an interest meeting and was getting really excited about what was coming up, and then all of a sudden, everything changed. Uh, and my vineyard roots go really deep, as Tyler mentioned. My dad planted a vineyard in Florence, Kentucky, back in the late 80s. And uh, so I've vineyard through and through. And some of my history is really tied to this house. Um, this is like a second vineyard home for me, Vineyard Northwest. I love it here. And some of that goes back to 2019. See, during that year... Actually, I'm going to backtrack even more. 2018, I walked into this room one day. It was Mother's Day, and Robbie Dawkins was talking. Yeah, it was, the spirit was heavy and thick, and it was awesome. And God was reminding me of my spiritual inheritance, which we all have. And then 2019 happened, and I got that reminder even more than I wanted, <laughs> as the Spirit kind of shook me up in a lot of different ways during that year. And some of them were in this building. Who was here for the first Kingdom Pursuit Conference? First one. Okay. Now, who was here for the afternoon impartation session from Randy Clark? Oh, yeah. If you were here, you know you were here for that. It was like a bomb went off in this room, right, in a good way. And it was a whirlwind for me during that time. And then I did School of Kingdom Ministry here in 2019. Team Sockham, right? Yeah, such a great experience, you guys. <clears throat> and so that's why I say it's like a second home for me. And, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, 2020 is going on. Like I said, we're planning a church. It's a whirlwind. I'm just getting and taking every opportunity to do what God is saying to do. I'm just sprinting at a pace that is so freeing and amazing and completely unsustainable. And it was during that season, especially when COVID became our reality, when I realized I needed to learn how to rest. I needed to learn how to rest. If I didn't learn this thing, I was going to burn out. There's a lot of really well-meaning, great people that have done kingdom work and just burned to a crisp because they don't know how to rest. I knew it was going to be what was best for me, for my marriage, for so many other things. And at that same time, some of the people in our community were starting to talk about this thing called Sabbath. And um, I was familiar, but my only real experience with Sabbath growing up was we went to church on Sunday. 
you know, and uh, that was a good thing. That was one way to observe this gift. But I wasn't slowing down or stopping my normal, busy, distracted life, really at all. So today I want to share with you my experiences of practicing Sabbath of the past couple years. And I just want you to know, like, I'm not an expert at this. This is coming from a place of weakness, you guys. Like, Sabbath is hard. So I hope that you'll come alongside me today as I talk about this. This is a life-learning experience, and we're better if we do it together. So, let's pray and then dig in a little bit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here right now. We just ask that you would uh, open up hearts and minds and ears to what you want to say through me. Lord, I just pray that um, your presence would be thick here this morning, even more. We invite you here, Lord. Amen. So, what is Sabbath? What is it? We kind of have an idea. Does your oven have Sabbath mode? Did you wonder what that is? We accidentally had somebody clean our oven recently and press Sabbath mode, and for a day we're like, how do we turn this off? We can't use our stove for a whole 24 hours. It's implemented in technology more than you think, but what it means is really to stop. The Jewish word is Shabbat. Most commonly, it's stop working, right? But it can be a lot of other things, too. Maybe stop wanting. Maybe stop worrying. But what I want you to know today, and what you're going to hear me say a lot, is that Sabbath is a gift from God. So I want us to do a little drive through Scripture and hit a couple Sabbath high points as we lay a foundation for this discussion today, starting in Genesis 2, verse 3. You're probably familiar with this story, the creation story, where God does it all. Verse 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And here's what I want you to see in this sentence that jumps off the page to me. Sabbath day is holy. Sabbath day is blessed, right? We think about the word holy. We think about words like sacred, set apart, special, unique. And when we think about blessed, some ways to define that include held in reverence, bringing pleasure and contentment. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Blessed and holy. God made it blessed and holy. Then we're going to jump forward a little bit in time to Exodus 20. And um, this is when we see Sabbath being set into law among the Israelites as Moses brings down the Big Ten. You know the Big Ten, right? (laughs) The Big Ten. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to your Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, livestock, sojourners who within your gates for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Okay, a couple words jumping out here again. Holy, still holy all those years later. Still blessed all those years later. And one other thing I want to highlight here is the word remember. Remember the Sabbath day. Look back. Remember that it was good enough for God to rest. Our creator said, you know what? I've done all this work. It's time to take a break. It's time to rest. Can we remember that along with the fact that it is holy, that it is blessed? And if you continue through scripture, there's a ton of Sabbath stories or a ton of times when it comes up throughout the Old and New Testament and Jesus comes onto the scene. It's brought up a lot during Jesus' ministry, isn't it? And it's usually when he was kind of pushing the envelope when it came to Sabbath and challenging the religious leaders of the time. And I want us to look at one of my favorite examples of that in Mark 2. This is Mark 2, 23 through 28. And it says, one Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the cornfields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what's happening here? Well, one thing that I know is that Jesus is pointing out that the Pharisees have kind of overcorrected things here. They did a pretty good job at keeping the Sabbath holy, right? Remember, sacred, set apart, special, unique. But they didn't do as good a job of remembering the blessing of Sabbath, the contentment that it brings, the joy that it offers. And most importantly, They were kind of in a legalistic trap where they were not recognizing what verse 27 says. The Sabbath was made for humankind, not the other way around. The Sabbath was made for you and me. We weren't made so that we could observe it. It was made for you. It was made for me. It is a gift. You are invited into this gift. And this is what Jesus does. He challenges the way we think and act. He doesn't come on the scene and say, I want to change the law of Moses, the Big Ten. He doesn't say, I want to uh, flip everything in a way that doesn't make sense. I want to challenge the way we think and act. He doesn't question or alter the authority of Scripture. 
but instead he offers us a different way to understand it and to apply it to our lives. I want to say that one more time. Jesus offers us a different way to understand Scripture and apply it to our lives. And he's doing it with the Sabbath in this passage. So if this is a gift, if this is something blessed and holy and something that God himself practices, why is it so hard for me to receive it? Maybe it's easy for you. It's hard for me to receive it. Are you that type of person when someone gives you a gift, you're like, oh, no, no, no. No, no. I don't want your gift. No, thanks. I can be that way sometimes when it comes to Sabbath. So why is it hard to receive invitations and gifts? Well, some reasons that came to mind for me include we think we're selfish when we receive or get a gift. Like, oh, I've, I've got enough. I'm good. Don't need anything else. Don't want to look selfish. Or maybe we think we're not worthy of the gift. Maybe we think like, I, no. I can't receive this gift. I'm not worth it. Maybe we don't trust the giver. That's been me sometimes. I'm like, I think maybe I know what's best for me here. Taking a rest, don't have time. Don't trust that what you think is best is best. So I can't speak for everybody, but I do know that we're up against a lot in this day and age when it comes to receiving the gift of Sabbath. It is not easy in the culture that we are part of. And I have a lot of conversations with people in my life when we're catching up, uh, especially in the summer of grad parties and so much going on. And they kind of go like this. I'll say, so how's it been going? We'll catch up a little bit, have a conversation, talk. They'll tell me about all the things that are going on in their life. And usually it's pretty packed full. I don't know about you, but our lives are pretty full. And we'll get to a certain point in the conversation. I'll usually say something like, wow, that is, that's impressive. Where are you finding time to rest? I'll ask you that question right now. Where are you finding time to rest in this season of life being life? Where are you finding time to rest? And I'm not talking about sleep, even though that's amazing. I'm not talking about taking a break from your job, like even just like a day off. And I'm not talking about taking a break from parenting, because that is, is that even possible? I don't think it's possible. But I'm talking about the rest that God offers and invites us into. We live in an age of busyness, distraction, exhaustion. There's a famous quote by a Holocaust survivor, Corey Ten Boom, that says, if the devil can't make us sin, he'll just make us busy. You ever heard that one? You see, busyness and distraction keep us cut off from the source of our rest. Jesus talks in John 15 about the vine and the branches and being connected and remaining connected to him, to the source that gives us what we need. 
There's a great quote that's going to come up on the screen from Christian author John Ortberg. And he says this about distraction. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. Have you ever settled for a mediocre version? It's just us. You can. I have. I have. I didn't really realize I was doing it, but I'll look back and be like, oh, that was pretty mediocre. And I could give you a ton of statistics about how we're addicted to these things, right? How these things are increasingly becoming connected to us. You ever lose your phone? How do, how do you feel when you lose your phone? Stress? Anxiety, maybe? I laugh with you, trust me, but it's real. It's a real thing. And these digital distractions just increase loneliness and anxiety in us in a way that is increasingly unhealthy. And there's not a whole lot we're doing about it. It's trending in the wrong direction. Speaking of anxiety, um, Arcade Fire released a new album this year. Any Arcade Fire fans here? Two, two of you, two of you. Three, all right, I'll take three. I really like Arcade Fire, they're they're a fun band. Um, But they released a song on their new album that is heartbreaking. And I just wanna read you a couple lyrics from it because I think it paints a picture about what we're living in the midst of. The song is called Age of Anxiety. It says this, it's the age of doubt and I doubt we'll figure it out. Is it you or is it me, age of anxiety? Fight the fever with TV in the age when nobody sleeps. And the pills do nothing for me in the age of anxiety. Because I can't stop crying and I really think I mean it, but the tears mean nothing to me. Another lost soul just trying to feel something. Trying to feel something in the age of anxiety. That's heartbreaking stuff. And it's real, isn't it? Friends, we need Sabbath rest more than ever before. And don't get me wrong here. Taking a day of Sabbath isn't going to cure the ills of society. But it's a step in the right direction. It's answering yes to the invitation that Jesus is offering you and me. So, quick review. Sabbath is holy. Sabbath is blessed. It exists for you and me, not the other way around. It is, was good enough for God, and he invites us into it. And this is the way I've been talking about this lately. He's ready when you're ready. I fully believe, like 10 of 10, that this is the character of Jesus. He's not gonna put his shoulder down and bust his way into your life. That's just not what he does. He stands on the other side and says, I'm ready when you're ready. You're invited. I got a place set aside for you. 
with me, with Sabbath, with all these things. I'm ready when you're ready. And here's the other thing that's really important. This is about invitation, not obligation. This is invitation over obligation. Because some of you might be thinking, you know, right now, all right, Sabbath's cool. Rest is great. Love it. But are you trying to tell me that if I haven't been doing this, that like I've been in some weird disobedience or sin? No. I'm not saying that. I promise I'm not saying that. That's not what it is at all. This is an invitation to a party, a restful, peaceful, life-giving party. We're all invited, and he's ready when you're ready. And actually, I just want to say that if you're feeling right now any sort of guilt or any of that legalistic stuff, that's not from Jesus. That's not what he does. That's not what he nudges us towards. That's the enemy. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If that is anywhere in this room, we say you got no place here in Jesus' name. We want to break that off. So, this invitation is for you and me. Why is it so hard for us to step into it? Well, we talked a little bit about that. Here's another point I want to make about Sabbath. Maybe you haven't thought about it this way before. What if I told you, you know, it's that that movie trailer guy, what if I told you (laughs) that Sabbath was spiritual warfare? What if I told you that Sabbath is spiritual warfare? Because it is, you guys. It reminds us of our limits. Jesus was well aware of his limits, by the way. During his time on earth, he knew that he needed to properly budget for the gathering of inner strength and resolve in order to do the kingdom work that the Father had set out for him to do. And when the warfare happens in your life, you don't want to step into it with an empty tank. It's going to happen. It's probably happening right now. You don't want to be running on fumes when the enemy tries to accuse or tempt you. You want to be connected to the source of your spiritual strength. And a follower of Jesus who is rested, present, non-anxious, and filled with things like gratitude, humility, worship, and more is a powerful force in this battle. Powerful force. We need Sabbath rest, friends. So how do we receive the gift? What does it look like to receive this and practice this in this era of distraction, warfare, and more? A.J. Swoboda wrote a great book about Sabbath, and there's a quote here that says, Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we are not what we do, but rather who we're loved by. I want you to know that. You're not what you do. Even the good things that you do. Even the work that you do. By the way, work is good. This isn't an anti-work talk. We were made for work. Work was set in place before the fall. It's a good thing. It just pales in comparison to who you're loved by. It just pales in comparison to who you're loved by. And I, 
it's important for me to say this too. If somebody drug you here today because it's Father's Day, first of all, that's so good that you came. <laughs> you know, maybe you wouldn't be here. You just want to honor dad. I love that. And th- the same is true for you. You are who you're loved by more than anything else. Primarily a son or a daughter of the king. Rich Velotis reminds us that Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is a gift that precedes work and enables us to work. It precedes it and enables us to live out of rest throughout our week. And there's a few things about Sabbath that have been really interesting and helpful to me that I want to talk about next. I think we're going to have them on the screen. I love that quote. So, Sabbath is resting, breathing, enjoying God. Here's a few other things that it is. Sabbath is an opportunity to stop doing some things. What do you need to stop doing on Sabbath? The most obvious thing is stopping working. But maybe you need to put this down. Maybe. Maybe you need to put aside some of the worry that is invading your space. For me, I needed to uh, stop doing ministry on Sabbath. I had heard a story about someone who said, I was in a stage of life where I said, God, I have so much to do for you, I don't have any time to be with you. I did not want to go there, you guys. (laughs) But it can happen without you realizing it. Sabbath is also an opportunity to do things at a slower pace. One of the things I've been practicing on my Sabbath lately is to do this, like, what if I did everything just a little slower? It's hard. (laughs) I'm telling you, it is hard. Like driving places. I went to the record store a couple weeks ago because I love vinyl records. And I was just like, I'm just going to go really slow. I'm just going to go really slow. I'm not in a hurry. I don't have to be anywhere. No one's telling me what time I got to do another thing. It'll mess you up. (laughs) I'm telling you, it will mess you up to go at a slower pace because we're always rushed and in a hurry, aren't we? Sabbath's also an opportunity to prioritize relationships and community. You don't need to do most of this alone. Do it with other people that you love and that love you. Have a meal with your friends or your family. Sit out on the porch and talk and laugh. It's a great opportunity to step into relationship. And of course, it's an opportunity to worship. John Mark Comer, who wrote a great book about hurry, says that he filters Sabbath through two things. Is this rest? Is this worship? That could be helpful for some of us. If it feels too limiting, don't do that. But it's an opportunity to worship. It's also an opportunity to embrace gratitude. One of the things that I do on my Sabbath when I remember is I have a little notebook and I fill a page with the things I'm thankful for until I get to the end of the page. Like, it's super simple. God, I am just so thankful for this cup of coffee. 
I'm so thankful that I have air conditioning when it's 98 degrees outside. I am so thankful that my wife loves me even when I'm an idiot. All these things, man, like they all go down on a paper, and that posture of gratitude really can help go throughout my week. It's also a reminder of your limits. Pete Scazzaro, who wrote a ton of great books uh, in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship uh, title, says that uh, he was in a conversation one time with someone they were trying to get on his calendar, and he didn't have any space for them. And they said, Pete, you are busy. He said, I'm not busy. I'm just limited. Guess what? So are you. You're limited. Sabbath reminds us of our limits. Remember what I said about Jesus having a good understanding of his limits when he walked the earth? There were so many times when he knew he needed to retreat, right? And to fill up with the Father and to rest and to pray. Sabbath is also taking a day not to accomplish anything and not feel guilty about it. This is going to be really hard for you overachievers who can knock out three projects on a Saturday afternoon. Okay, I'm not that way naturally, so this is a little easier for me to not be productive. <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes I'm, on Sabbath, I'm like, I'm not doing anything. What is going on? Shouldn't I? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to do anything. Remember, this is invitation, not obligation. It just means that don't feel guilty if you don't. <laughs> and it's kind of the point, okay? What did you accomplish today? Oh, I rested. I worshiped. Sabbath is also time to enjoy and delight in the best things. One of the things that really sold me on Sabbath is when I heard someone talk about it like this. Oh, Sabbath is when we eat the best meal. That's when the best dessert comes out. I smoke my favorite cigar. That's when we tell our kids, oh, you get to have the, the best Gatorade, you know, or the best dessert on Sabbath. That'll get them on board, by the way, parents. Tell them, well, we get the special treat on Sabbath, and this is why. It reminds us of the sweetness that God offers us. It reminds us of his restful invitation and our ability to step into it. Is there one more bullet on this? I forget. Maybe not. So when we step into Sabbath... With these understandings, it becomes easier to receive the gift. You didn't earn it. But receiving this gift allows you to experience the good life in a concentrated time slot. And over that time, this slow approach, that prioritizing of relationships, the focus on worship and gratitude, and the reminder that we're not what we do, but who we're loved by, infiltrates your whole week. And then it's time for Sabbath again. Like I said, it'll mess you up. So I want to close by getting practical with a few Sabbath tips that I've learned, a little 101. Um, Whether this is your first attempt or your next attempt, whether you've thought about this and been like, I need to do that. I know I need to do that. Here's some practical ways to get started. Set aside 24 hours to rest and worship. That sounds obvious. 
But I want to mention here, like, that might not be possible for you in this season of life. You, you might be like, oh, must be nice. You can set aside that much time to do nothing. That's just not possible for me. Tons of grace for you in that. Remember, invitation over obligation. But can you set aside four hours? Two, maybe? I just don't want you to think to yourself, someday I'm going to do that. Someday I'll, I'll jump into Sabbath. I know it's going to be great someday. What if you started now in a smaller chunk with all these same principles and built on it over time as your season of life ebbs and flows? Also, it can be helpful to start Sabbath with a ritual. This can be maybe I want to light a candle. We're kicking off Sabbath, this, you know, proves it. <laughs> the candle is lit. Maybe you just say a prayer. Sometimes at my Sabbath meal, I just say, God, I invite your spirit of rest into our home right now. Simple as that. Maybe it's switching off your phone, putting it in a box and hiding it for a little while. Whatever you need to do to embrace this invitation. Maybe it's having a glass of wine or your favorite drink, blessing it, and starting Sabbath. Maybe it's reading a psalm. Another awesome way to start Sabbath is to say a blessing over your kids if they're around. You should just do that anyway, by the way. But this is a great excuse to start Sabbath. And maybe you can end Sabbath with your gratitude list. Like, here's all the things that I was thankful for, that I was thinking about and, and, and resting in during my Sabbath. Maybe it's a slow walk around your neighborhood. That's another thing, try doing that slow. Take a slow walk, notice your surroundings. Here's another one, fill the day with rest and worship. Build in time alone if you need that and you can do it. Build in time with people if you can do that. I'm here to remind you that introverts and extroverts do not Sabbath alike. Just ask my wife, who is like, what are we even doing? Where have you been? <laughs> like, I was reading the book in the other room. So I need to adjust my life to have some of that and also make sure that I have some time with her, with family, with community, having fun. Yesterday was a really awesome Sabbath for me. And um, I just want to briefly mention it because it was so good. And it's hard. Sometimes I'm like, did I even Sabbath? Did I do that right? But yesterday I got up, I read a book. I even finished a book. I spent some time with Jesus. In the afternoon I went and played spike ball with my friends. You guys like spike ball? Come on. Thank you, Tyler. It's an amazing sport. It was an amazing day of weather. Then I got to go home, spend some time with my wife. We went out to dinner, just hung out, came home, watched a little TV. It was just like, this is amazing Sabbath. Thank you, God. And that last point I want to mention is Sabbath with other people. Like I said, if you're stepping into this for the first time or thinking about it, do it with other people in your life that are also interested. And so whether you're connected to a house group here and there's other people that are interested in that, or you just think, you know what, I'm going to ask this one other family 
to experiment with this with our family for this season. It doesn't mean you spend all your time together, but it does mean that you check in on each other. Say, how's that, how's Sabbath going? How's it been going for you? One of my friends, Josh, said a few months ago to me, I feel like I need a Sabbath support group. (laughs) Because the truth about this is, is that it's really hard. And there are gonna be times when you feel like you're doing it all wrong. Guess what, that's how everybody feels. (laughs) The day I described yesterday is not my normal. It's great when it happens, and I do set aside the time. But you need other people to be able to bounce that off of and talk to about it as you journey in to this invitation together. So remember, Sabbath was made for you and me, not us for the Sabbath. I want to take some time as we close right now for a little bit of ministry And here's a few things I feel like God might be wanting to do today, okay? First, there's some of you that are thinking to yourself, I know I need to do this. I've been thinking about this. I even talked to my friend about it yesterday or whatever, right? This is the nudge for you today. But I want you to receive prayer about that today in order to kind of like have that solidified. I feel like God wants to speak to you through our prayer teams if you're in that place. Another one is, I mentioned this earlier, if this feels guilty to you or a little bit like, I'm a little offended by this. <laughs> like, what are you trying to do? This is, you know, we're free from the old covenant. Come on, what's this guy talking about? I want you to get prayer today. <laughs> I want God to break that off of you because that's not from him. That's not from him. And you're just going to carry it around with you unless you get freedom. He wants you to be free from that attitude because that's not from him. So can our prayer teams come up now? And can everybody else stand up, please? One other thing that I want to mention Um, You know, if you need prayer for any physical healing today, I feel like God wants to meet with you. Also, during worship, I was seeing a picture, and sometimes God talks to me in pictures, and sometimes it's just something running through my head, um, of a bicycle. And you know how the chain of the bicycle is really important, and it has to be oiled up in order for the bike to really do what it's supposed to do? I felt like the chain was completely locked up and dry. So I feel like God wants to kind of put some oil in that for somebody today. Get that motion flowing again. If that describes you, I'd love for you to come get prayer today as well. But let's just close our eyes and wait on the Lord for a minute. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for the invitation of rest. Would you make us more aware of your presence right now?
I love the silence that we can participate in together when we listen and wait. And God's working on some of you right now. If you, here's the last invitation. You're just feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in a, in a kind of cool way. I think God wants to bless that. So I'll start by doing it right now. I just bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit, right now. We just ask for more in the name of Jesus. Would you fan things into flame right now in people's hearts? Just thank you that you give such good gifts to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come up and get prayer like everybody? Otherwise, thanks for having me today. I appreciate you. Go get your kids.